podcast today. And yeah, we've kind of fallen into a pattern that they are less frequent now. That's totally okay. I told you, if there's uh, not much to do, we're going to skip. And uh, I had also been thinking, God, I've done so many interviews, had so many visits. Uh, if you've missed stuff or if you have just found this podcast, and maybe a lot of people have because we had a somber, moving, hopeful transparent visit with Larry Schaefer last week and congrats to him and his team for the unleashing, the cutting of the leash yesterday at Jake and Cooper's Bark Park. Uh, I hope you saw that. Maybe you're brand new here. Welcome to this podcast. Uh, If you are familiar with the radio show a bit, it is a longer form version of that with other topics that we just won't touch on on the air, including a, a couple here. In fact, at the end of this podcast, um, I threw something at Larry because we had a very morbid, um, reflective talk before we hopped on and recorded. And I asked him this question, something I have never shared with anyone before. I'm going to leave that thought experiment for you at the end of this podcast. But it's good to have you here. Um, might not be every day from now on, but again, there's plenty to go back and listen to. Uh, lots of fantastic local people in our community usually doing really good things or getting us really good answers about things happening in our community. Um, one really good thing that's finally happened, you, uh, you know that I have wanted more nutritious food in food deserts in mostly Toledo here. My idea was we have all these sensational food trucks. Why can't somebody um, have a food truck or rip out whatever, an old school bus, take all the seating out and be a mobile farmer's market? That seems like an easy idea. You you, you farmers, you take your stuff to farmer's markets. What about going into um, underserved communities? And when I say underserved communities, like I think that's great. You have something, a dollar general, family dollar, whatever. And maybe some of them have some healthier foods, but the Toledo Northwestern Ohio Food Bank is going to do what I call um, produce pop-ups. I think tomorrow, the 25th, and then the 1st in a couple of neighborhoods and bring nutritious foods into these neighborhoods. Um, That's that's a start. That's a start. And sometimes you can just introduce these things into these communities and you get something across that that maybe you didn't even realize, but when food prices skyrocketed as they did, I was like, hello. Yo, I know you're complaining about eggs and chicken, but you know it's still dirt cheap? Yeah, maybe they've gone up 33%, but my cucumbers, my apples, all the other fruits and veggies I buy are still relatively inexpensive, and you can get really creative with them. You know, one of my blind spots is I like big portions, so I just eat really big salads. So a shout out to the Toledo Northwestern Ohio Food Bank. Um, A shout out to our library. I said this on the radio show yesterday. When you think about institutions of Toledo, the obvious ones pop up. Uh, Mud Hens, some people say Pacos. Mud Hens, Pacos. Um, Metro Parks, Art Museum. uh, What else? The Imagination Station might be in there. But while it's a little bit different from those places, um, the library system should matter. And if you're telling an out-of-towner, a visitor, where they should go, send them to the main branch so they can see unique things. Of course, there'll be thousands of books, but maybe they'll run into 
a takeover like the one of the Metro Parks last month, the one that the Ability Center, my friends there will do, I think on July 12th. And people can be like, wow, there's so much more besides books, um, classrooms, training, all the digital options that they have for people so they can get back on their feet. The same cafe. Uh, So yeah, you're not going to go and visit a Metro Park or see animals like the zoo, but there are still things to see for out-of-towners at our at our library. The thing that they did win, and let me make sure I get this right. Um, they've been awarded the National Medal from the Institute for Museum and Library Services. Uh, I believe it is given to four museums, four libraries. And if you're a fan of our libraries, and now that I brought it to the forefront here in this discussion, maybe you're going, they really are. They really are sensational resources so congrats to our library um we yeah we have a bunch of local things here the walleye um sleeping hotel fiasco david briggs who is has such clever entertaining prose from the blade prose p-r-o-s-e if you did not know um the walleye went out to idaho they lost two games maybe they lost two games because their sleeping arrangements were not ideal um, there wasn't enough hotel rooms due to some, to some kind of athletic competition and a Luke Combs concert. So the Walleye had a hotel one night, then had to move. They One place they went to had mouse droppings, bed bugs, which is the most one of the five most frightening things that has ever happened to me in my life. They wound up sleeping at the arena, which isn't so bad because it's connected to a hotel so they could shower and do stuff like that. Um... David Briggs pointed out that Idaho has had the best record in the league. So everybody was going to come see them, and they likely knew when. Um, so not not malicious, no, no seedy gamesmanship here by the Steelheads trying to make sure the walleye did not get a good night's sleep. And I think also a fire alarm did go off in the middle of the night. And fans, home fans have been known to do that to opposing teams regularly. They find out where their hotel is and they call in a fire drill or something like that at 2 a.m. and disrupt their sleep. So apparently not seedy, not malicious, not evil, just terrible planning. The Walleye Tonight Game 3 at the Huntington Center. They, It's a must win. Um, teams do come back down from three games to none, but rarely. Rarely do that. does that ever happen. So tonight is essentially a must win. And the two games after that are here at the Huntington Center as well. Um, another local thing. I got over to Ottawa Hills yesterday for uh, an Ability Center podcast re- recording uh, with a brilliant young lady. Her name is uh, Elise Ansberg. Elise has bilater- bilateral hearing loss. And her parents chased after this when she was about two years old. I'm going to leave most of the rest of this for the Ability Center podcast, which should be posted uh, 68 words. I hope to have that up for you Tuesday morning. Um, that is people sharing disability stories or those in the community that want to help those with disabilities and spread awareness that those people are treated equal to everyone else. So 68 words. Um, I think we're up to episode 15 or so. Elise um, won an, an outstanding Youth in Philanthropy Award from a local organization because she wanted to raise a couple grand. She went on a trip overseas and uh, her GoFundMe had, she had one of those GoFundMe moments and she raised nearly 50 grand. We recorded this yesterday live at 
uh, the Foundry, which is like the new technology and professional hub at Ottawa Hills. As you'd expect, it was absolutely gorgeous. There's a snack bar in there so the kids can get those kind of experiences. Um, They have completely reimagined the art classes with 3D printers and so much more. Um, It was quite impressive, but as you would expect, as I expected, nothing less than you know, 10 out of 10 perfection for that. But I appreciate um, the hospitality when I go over there. They often, it's so much more than just that. I've probably been to Ottawa Hills the most for suicide prevention, coalition talks and beyond. And I always appreciate uh, Principal McMurray and the whole team over there that offer me that hospitality and offer that uh, us that branch, that that walkway to come talk about that important subject and technology and riches be damned. Also, Elise is going to Pepperdine, by the way, and uh, I hope we can all go visit her at that school because it literally looks out to the most, arguably the most beautiful part of the ocean on earth, the Pacific ocean. If you didn't know that, um, two more things to tip on, uh, have you seen this Bravo drama? In fact, it didn't blow up as much as I expected where the news is reporting on it and it wound up, it was ubiquitous. You could not escape it. So Monday, um, I saw that Bravo had abruptly closed and now there are pictures circulating of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Spirit Halloween and Family Dollar. People have photoshopped that on there. Um, uh, last time I've been there was six years ago. Always thought Bravo was a, a pretty good meal, but haven't been there in, in years and years. They abruptly closed. Um, this reminded me of we did an old morning rush broadcast at Tilted Kilt. It was 2016 or 17. It was one of the St. Patrick's Day years, I remember. Uh, we did a broadcast there, or maybe it wasn't. We did a broadcast there. It was a Thursday or Friday, St. Patrick's Day. And uh, they were open for that weekend. And then Monday, they were closed completely closed um i asked why did that happen why was there no notice and i was told from people who knew about the the restaurant industry uh they do this because a lot of times the employees will will take the liquor and a lot of the the expensive things um so it's rude uh it's i guess unprofessional it's it's really putting some people out and uh it was kind of grubby that they stayed open for St. Patrick's Day weekend to get every cent that they could because obviously they knew it was going to be very busy. So from a business perspective, I get it. This this really does fall into my motto of I don't under of I understand, but I don't agree. Or I agree, but I don't understand. As with um, a lot of laws in life, we have the laws and rules for the few people that would break them. And unfortunately, um, they make things problematic for everybody else. So Bravo closed. And obviously the employees, I think they they were notified the day before. They had to come in for a meeting uh, from some manager or whatever. And they were all these people were let go. Uh, a young lady, Brittany Zapata, I believe took a picture of this letter she was asked to sign. Basically absolving... Bravo and whoever their overall owner is, their corporate overlord, um, absolving them of paying unemployment and, and anything else. And it looked like it said they'd give them two weeks wages or something like that. And actually, it was a pretty janky letter. It looked like it was written by like a, a low-level manager. 
Um, I will show you uh, a corporate termination letter. I have several of those. This was not that. This was was like hastily written by a middle manager on his way to notify these people they were going to be let go. So again, I understand, but I don't agree. But this is a, a common thing. And there was one guy that tried to take up the cause of explaining to this girl and to others why why something like this happens. Is there a way around it? I don't know. Because let's say more, and this is, I think, really a, a chain thing um, where mom and pop owners are a lot more thoughtful to their employees. Where, what is it? Uh, the Glendale Garden Cafe, they had the fire. So instead of displacing those people, they brought them over to Reynolds to the Reynolds location and expanded their hours. So I get that mom and pops are more likely to be helpful to that. But the one time a chain doesn't chain up the, the doors and boot everybody, you know, they could lose a lot. And you could say, well, they're a corporation. They're evil and they're, they're, they're taking people's money anyway. Okay, okay. People are still stealing though. Um, I look at it from this perspective. Like they did you a favor. Um, I know... Many people are living like tighter than paycheck to paycheck, like whatever it is. It's like credit card to paycheck and then more credit card debt to paycheck. I, I, I get it. I'm understanding of that. But I'm guessing this, this restaurant wasn't making any money. I, that would make me believe that the, the employees there, especially the servers, not really making any money. And I'm going to guess there weren't many full-time employees anyway. Um. Most people were just servers and whatever that wage is. Whatever, some people suggested they get a lawyer. That lawyer, it would actually wind up costing them a lot of money to uh, recoup any of the wages they might get. Um, but this place probably did them a favor. Now, you know, it made a little noise. So hopefully they, uh, Trevor Dieter at Dietz uh, said, hey, look, we're, we're hiring. Come on over. And by the way, Trevor has told me times that he's been looking for employees and he's had plenty of no-shows for interviews. So that goes back to why these places get closed with very to very little notice. Sometimes it's the person that's working, the caliber of person, the type of person that's working these jobs um, will jet. But if you work for a place like Trevor, you're more likely to have loyalty and that goes both directions. So hopefully these people will find better jobs where they're, they're paid better, they're treated better, um, better compensation all around. But I am pretty ignorant to what it comes to when it comes to unemployment benefits for tar- for part-time people or servers. It, it, it's probably not much. A lot of people told these people not to sign this piece of paper, but I just don't know. Maybe you should take the two weeks in wages because it might wind up being better and less of a headache than any kind of employment you might get. So again, I feel terrible if somebody was counting on whatever they make, 250 bucks over the course of a couple of days that they were counting on and that goes towards rent and they have an asshole of, of a landlord and now they're going to be short 250. Hell, if that person asked me, I, they can't, I, I might get in that 250 and go, here's where you're going to go work. I'll give you this 250 if you go work for Trevor. If you go interview with Trevor and you're like, yeah, this is a place I want to be. Um, but again, I understand the situation. I do not agree. Um, succession wraps up in a couple of episodes and it looks like, uh, HBO has their next succession hopeful on deck. People were always, always asking, well, what's going to be the next game of Thrones? And a lot of people got it right. Uh, it, it, it was succession. You just didn't know it at first. It's hard to watch 
couple episodes or even a season ago. This is this is peak TV. This is the Game of Thrones replacement. But it it really is. By the way, I don't know why such a dependable entertainment brand like HBO, like we're talking what, 30 years or more, um, quality content, arguably what ushered in the golden age of peak TV, prestige TV in the late zeros and early tens with Sopranos and then Game of Thrones and so much more. Um, I don't understand being so reliable, such a quality product, so dependable. You change your name to Max, which is which is kind of was like Cinemax, and I don't know if they bought them or what, but yeah, it would be like dismissing an all-time brand, at least as far as like programming is concerned. HBO can be said in the same breath as McDonald's, Taco Bell, Apple, Nike. Like when you think of HBO, you're not thinking, ah, oh, they just keep taking my money every month. You're thinking of a show that you've enjoyed on that network. And then you've gone back to it because they have given you shows consistently that you have enjoyed. I kept going after Last of Us because I was like, all right, let me bin Succession. So that's about to wrap up. And what may succeed Succession, I think it will be the most discussed show of the summer. Maybe not the best. Um, but they're going for a wow factor and maybe not in a good way. I guess it sounds a little bit like it's called The Idol. Um, it... I'm going to read you some of this article, and I couldn't read this on the air because it's a a review of what's happening in the show, and you'll hear some of the words that I could not read on the air, and you'll understand why. Uh, The weekend is in it. He plays a seedy club owner named uh, Tedros. Tedros, uh, the writer says, the weekend uh, plays it with the vigor of a park bench. The idol is grim, gross, and vulgar. It sounds like uh, succession in the way that I'm sure a lot of the things that happen in the 1% of 1%ers in business in the world, uh, succession is very accurate. Now, there's probably a lot of other things that are very histrionic, hyperbolic, and completely over the top and not accurate at all. The Idol sounds like succession meets euphoria. What do you mean? Because there hasn't been a lot of sex in succession other than Roman's uh, dick jokes. Um, Jocelyn is the name of the pop tart. She, like all the characters, is vile. She's also the victim of vile people like uh, The weekend's character. Uh, let me keep reading. Jocelyn is supposed to be a combo of Madonna and Britney Spears. The show uses music and references to those singers to try and separate her from those stars. Jocelyn is, the, is like the warmed-over leftovers. There's nothing unique or likable about her. It's like Lily Rose Depp's fault. Uh, that her character's main traits are pleasuring herself and also pleasuring men so that ejaculated fluids are photographed on her face. And we see this in a photo that possibly Jocelyn has taken of herself and has now been leaked onto TikTok. Uh, The Idol doesn't know much about the music business. The take is pretty much what tabloids think the music business is, buying into the gossip instead of reality. Something about uh, someone having sex with one person in a club on a stairway and then going having sex with another person so that their record will get remixed. (laughs) Um, It might not be good, but people are going to discuss it simply for what I just shared with you. Like I said, uh, satire in in the way of succession being a black comedy um, and I guess the sex that's in Euphoria. I'm going to warn you right now. This is a depraved thought that 
no one would ever, hopefully ever have to consider or think about. Um, and we are on the year or so anniversary of, of the Valde shooting. And every time I read something like that, I go, oh, we haven't had a shooting for X amount of weeks or, or whatnot. Um, and, and these things are all terrible horrors. There's actually a good um, editorial, in the, in editorial in the Blade today. Very, very objective. Um, bringing both sides together. It's the guns. It's the mental health. And she wrote, I think it was she, not a lo- local um, opinionist. It's both. In fact, it's everything. In fact, she made a note of something that, of the horror that I am terrified of at the end of the article. Something along the lines of, take all the guns away. Remember this one where this dude ran over people. When you have broken people, they're going to do broken, horrific things. Um, that's not in line with, well, if we take away all the guns, only the criminals will have them. No, bad people will find ways to do bad things. So let's try to fix them, like getting them nutritious produce pop-ups in their neighborhoods. I thought of this, I don't know when it was, sometime when Floyd and I were together. Maybe it was during the was it was the Dayton shooting. And I asked this to Larry Schaefer last week. And again, I've never uttered this. This has never come out of my own mouth. And I even thought like, oh, this would be a good morning show topic. But I was so thankful that we didn't do it um, because it just hurts too many people. And I sit and I look at Bethany and I see the fear that she has working at a school. Every time something like this happens, she retreats into protection mode and fear mode and safety mode because she knows that this could happen because this is sadly the world that we live in. As I said, as I've always said, my dad had to get under desks because the world he lived in was one where there were nukes. In the 80s and 90s, you thought you couldn't go anywhere because there were serial killers everywhere. And now you watch those documentaries. Now, uh, there was the terrorist era. We all thought we we were all terrified to get on a plane or go in a big building because of 9-11. Now we're in the school shooter era. Um, This is the question and I will just Leave it as a thought experiment. Um, let's say that the parents are not wholly to blame for these monsters. Because again, there are times where your kids, your neighbors, your family members, your friends, your kids, these people are under your nose and you have no idea some of the horrors that they're up to, what they're thinking, how broken their brains could be and, and how they got like that. It could be coming from the household, but it could be coming from other places as well. Um, You might have listened to the podcast with Larry um, where I gave my analogy. Like people can hide their suicidalities in the same way that psychopaths, your neighbors can wave to you while they're chopping up bodies in your basement. And then you're stunned that they did these things. And maybe that's a little hyperbolic or over the top, but you get my point. We have heard so many of these stories where they're like... There were some signs, but I never would have imagined this. So I'm going to ask this question, and I'm going to run for my life. No pun intended, seriously. And I mean no disrespect. And again, this is a depraved thought. What would be worse? To lose your child in a mass shooting, to lose your your, your person, a person, in a mass shooting, or to be the parents, the partner, of the mass shooter. Um, To lose a loved one, that pain will never go away. Like with Larry, he will always think of his son, uh, Jake. He's got Cooper around. 
And when Cooper's no longer around, he will probably feel immense pain because Cooper was his tie, his bond, his fusion to his son, emotionally and so and in so many other ways. But if you are the parents or the loved one or a partner of someone who creates this unconscionable carnage, they've ended lives. And you'll have guilt and so much more, wondering what you could have done. How could this have happened? And you'll live with that if you're a decent person. You'll live with that on your conscience for the rest of your life. Thanks for being here.